Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining. Jeremy Dunn joining me this evening. How are you, Jeremy? Jeremy, are you there? All righty, then. It seems Jeremy's having some issues connecting, so are you there, Jeremy? I'm trying to bring him on. So uh, as we're waiting for Jeremy to come on, um, I want to thank you all for joining on this, joining us this evening. We're here every Sunday offering you your dose of hope while sharing stories of people living with HIV and AIDS. Um, and we thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, we also do run a social networking site for people who uh, are into the social networking sites um, called Pause I Am, and you can find information on that and um, join the site at pauseim.com. Um, Jeremy, just call back into the show. Um, I don't know what's going on, but we're having some difficulties connecting. Um, so I want to thank you all for joining in and, and hanging out with me this evening. I'm a little uh, sick, as you can hear in my voice. Um, I was uh, playing soccer all weekend up in New York, um, actually all day yesterday. And, um, you know, we were playing at 10 o'clock until about uh, – no, we started at 12, and we were done around 10 o'clock at night, and it was exhausting, just time in and time out. Um, playing games with, like, very few, um, no time in between. You had maybe, like, a half hour in between. And indoors, a lot fast-paced. So um, let me just bring Jeremy back on you there. Yeah, thank you for hanging up on me. No, I think what the issue was is, um, since you're logged in as a co-host with me, I think you were trying to bring yourself on as I was trying to bring yourself on. So as I was bringing you on, you were putting yourself on hold. But whatever, no big deal. You're here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing better. I'm a little, you know, sick, as you can hear. I don't hear that. Hold on a second. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, whatever. All right, he's gone. Um, so, uh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. So somebody just posted. Don't worry, he's already gone. Good, um, okay. Yeah, I took care of that. Um, but So tell me, how was your week? My week was great. Um, let's see, what did I do? What did I do? Nothing, no. Um... Well, today uh, I I got the uh, um, I went and got the uh, the Jeep all summer ish. Took off the doors, took off the top. This is the first time in four years I've actually taken the doors off. Oh wow! I know. I'm 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 thrilled. I'm thrilled. So is this because it's the first time you've gotten the energy up to take the doors off, or is it just the first time it's really nice? It's the first time that I've had a place to store the doors. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have I have my own garage, so I can put the doors in there. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. So it's it. So now I can drive around, look old butch, and just pray to God it doesn't rain. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because yeah, that yeah, always excited. Yeah, that always seems to happen. It always seems to rain. I love when uh, you're driving in the rain and you see people pour over under the under the underpasses. 
under the bridges, yeah. you know, as they yep. put off the they're trying to put everything on, you know, put the hood back up and everything, but. Exactly. Whatever, it's but it's always stuff. nice. So I, as you, before you came on, I was just talking about how I was up in New York all weekend playing soccer. Um, you know, I played for the Falcons here in Philly, and we sent two teams up, and um, my team finished eighth out of, I think, 24 teams, and uh, the other Falcons team finished fourth. So, you know, we did really well. It was good. It was exhausting, and I'm tired. I'm beat. I'm bruised. Like, it's it's brutal. <laughs> it is brutal. And, like, all I wanted to do it, and, like, because you're stuck at the Chelsea Piers all day, and you're stuck there, you know, in the, in the gym playing, and there's really nowhere to go to get food. And I literally walked out to have a cigarette in between my games, and the guy is selling organic hot dogs. How is that possible? Organic hot dogs. Let me organic think. Organic hot dogs. Let me think here. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe the uh, trees where the hot dogs were grown, um, because, because hot dogs come off of trees, you know. Okay. It's true. It's true. There's a hot dog tree. Okay, if you say so. Yeah, you plant the wiener between the buns and it grows. <laughs> oh, my Lord. But, no, I thought it was funny that they were trying Sorry, to. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, 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 God. So it, it was okay. a fun yeah. time. It was nice to spend time with people and hang out. And, and just to be in the atmosphere with other gay soccer players, it's kind of fun. So, you know, I made new friendships, and, and we had a good time up there. And, you know, we had fun. That was the main part. Good, good. Now, this was – you were in – New York. You were in New York. Did Daniel Bauer come see you? No, he was very, very busy um, doing, I guess, oh. practicing or something. And uh, other people I tried to connect with, like Scott, and Scott also had, you know, visitors in. So we weren't able to connect, but that's fine, you know what I mean? I, I went up there, and I was very – it was all day. Like, literally, we got there at 11 o'clock, and we were – the other teams were done playing at 10 o'clock at night. So it was wow. exhausting, and then I got in the car and drove two hours home last night because I wanted to be in my bed. You know, I yeah. wanted to be home. I missed Joe. I missed the, the doggies. I just Aww. missed my own dog. So he it, was, missed, it was nice. He missed you, Joe. He missed you. Hey, Joe is the name of um, the character from uh, from Sunset Boulevard. Just making a um, a connection there from an earlier chat that we were having about mm. somebody who went and saw on Sunset Boulevard this weekend. Sunset Boulevard, headline so, Boulevard. Sorry, oh, happy April Fool's I, I, Day. I, I totally oh. forgot today was April Fool's. Oh, it is. I mean, yeah. no, it's not. So that was, that was the reason why our intro was like that. Oh, <laughs> that was April Fool's oh. yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tonight we're going to speak with um, a, a blogger called Amanda Brown, and she will be on uh, with us shortly. But I just wanted to give a rundown for the next two weeks. We have some great people coming on the show. Um, Monique Moray will be on, who uh, was featured yes. in HIV Was Not a Crime, and she's been on the show before and talked about um, HIV and pregnancy. So she's going to come on on Easter Sunday. So next week we will be here. Um, so join us here. Um, and then on the 15th, uh, Jack will be with me, and we're going to be speaking with Justin B. Smith, who is um, – just released this uh, Write a Letter to HIV campaign, and he's going to come on and talk about it. Um, if you go to uh, the POSAM network, we have information there on it, and then there's also information on thebody.com, um, and he's going to come on and just kind of promote that. So, um, And it's cool. It's basically writing a letter to HIV, and you can say whatever you want. You can post a video about it. 
So um, go check it out on the website and, and say I'm going. It's something I'm going to do. And actually, the interesting part about it was is that I was at my support group last week, and the therapist who runs the support group actually brought up Justin's blog and said, "I want you guys all to write a letter to HIV and bring it, you know, to the group so we can read it out loud." So it kind of, you know, I was like, "Well, oh, that's really, you know." cool that it's being used for that, that, you know, they're actually using it in support groups that aren't run by people who obviously know of these outlets or know of Justin personally. That's cool. really cool. Yeah. We read a lot of interesting things like Mark King we read a lot of. Um, I think even Lauren who was on, he wrote a piece uh, for, I think, Philly Gay Calendar, and we actually read that as well. So it's really cool that when they read them and I'm like, oh, I know that person. You know what I mean? So Yeah. So it's writing a letter to HIV. Right. And that will be on the 15th. Dear AIDS, you suck. The end. Well, that may be your letter, but other people may have other letters. Oh, I like that letter, though. Dear AIDS, you suck. Well, actually, the body is going to do this whole, I think, or thing with it, Um, or or Justin is actually going to do this whole sort of, I don't know, big movement with it. So we'll see how that pans out. That's cool, though. I, 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 I think that's a, I think it's a great idea. idea. Yeah. Why didn't we think of it? I, I always brainstorm and try to think of ideas, you know, and I'm sure you do the same. And every, you know, person who's in any kind of business tries to do something that's different and outside the box. And, you know, it, it's cool when I see somebody who, you know, I know is doing his best to help those living with yeah. HIV by sharing his story, you know, have a, a great concept. Justin is, he is really an amazing, um, he's an amazing advocate, and, and you just learn so much from him, and he's really always out there, and I just, he inspires me. Another thing I wanted to talk about, actually, before our guest comes on, is there's two things I wanted to talk about. One was um, AIDS Healthcare Foundation um, is doing this condemnation tour, where they're hitting 25 states, hit hard by the by, you know, HIV and AIDS where they have high infection rates and they're sending an 18-wheeler stocked with condoms and um, HIV testing kits and they're going to basically do it a lot throughout, the, basically a lot of it's the South, you know, that's where it's, the highest infection rates are. And they're basically giving out free condoms and free testing kits to kind of promote awareness. And they were recently in Baton Rouge and they partnered with Aspirations, who was run by um, Joyce Keller, who was on the show. Um, recently, and she wanted me just to, to mention it. So if you go to AIDS Healthcare Foundation and you can search uh, Condemnation Tour on Google, and I'm sure information will come up on Facebook or whatever. But I just think it's a really cool idea. It, it, it's caused a lot of controversy. Um, you know, sometimes people don't like talking about sex and condoms. And to actually put it on an 18-wheeler and drive across the United States, I think, is friggin' ballsy, and I think it's awesome. So I think that's great. Oh, I think it's fantastic. Are you kidding? Um, if I had doors on the Jeep, I'd put them on there. <laughs> but now you don't have doors. <laughs> I know. Damn it. Damn it. I'll just have – you know what I'll do now that I don't have doors? I'll just wear one. <laughs> I, wonder what, I wonder what that would do. What do you think? Do you think I'd get arrested? For wearing Probably. a condom? Yeah. And that's what, it. Like as a pin? Kind of like TLC no. used to do back in the day? No, 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 no. Oh, over your head? No, 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 no. Yeah, over a head. Okay, I don't want to hear anymore. So, you know, no, no pants. Take the pants off and just wear the condom. That's it. So, drive around. I see, I 
see Amanda on the on the line, so I'm going to bring her on in one second. But I do want to mention one more thing. Um, Positively Aware magazine just put out, you know, they do the, a day with HIV in America, and it's September 21st, and you know, uh, Jeff Berry's been on to talk about it and, and promote the, the, you know, the campaign. Um, they just released a book with a couple of uh, photos, you know, that were chosen. I'm sure so many they have on the website. But A Day with HIV in America, if you Google it, you'll find all the information there. They just came out with a book. It was like 20 bucks. Um, it's color, and um, yours truly um, is in it, uh, along with some other familiar faces like Jack and uh, Dab Garner. So definitely um, go check that out and support the cause. There's some amazing photos in there, and you get to see real faces of people living with HIV, and it's just incredible to see how it, it ranges from, I mean, there's babies to to, to, to every person under the sun. So you want to go check that out. A Day with HIV in America a book is out, so go get that. I thought it was really great. You there, Jeremy? I, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I, I'm, I, okay, so here's, here, here's here, okay, I, I'm trying something new tonight. Oh, God. When Jeremy tries something new, you know, something's going to go wrong. So I, I, have, I have the blog talk chat room going. Right, right. And I've got Pause I Am chat going. So I'm in both chat rooms and on air. Oh, I hear you. I'm doing the same thing. Oh, excellent, excellent. So, 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 um, so folks, who, when you're listening and, and we're both, you know, trying to get questions and everything, the only thing I'm not doing is Twitter. I, I think and that I'm would actually explode. I'm actually on there. So if you have questions for us and you want to send it to us via Twitter, you can tweet, uh, tweet them at POSIM, P-O-Z-I-A-M, and we can ask questions or answer them on air or ask Amanda questions because Amanda is actually going to come on air now. So please help me welcome Amanda Brown. Welcome, Amanda. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Good? You should be fabulous. I am fabulous. Yes, you are. <laughs> I can, I I can see the photos. fabulous. <laughs> the fabulosity just oozes out. <laughs> so did you get the little ones off to bed? I did. She's in bed. I don't think she's sleeping, but she's down. So. Mm. That's a, you know what? My my mother used to give me brandy. <laughs> she she really did. She used to give me brandy, and I would sleep through the night. Little did yeah. I know that she was giving me an entire bottle. Yeah, some nights I wouldn't mind giving her a little brandy. <laughs> <laughs> How old is she? She just turned three in January. Oh my gosh! Wow, she's went on the terrible twos to the to the torturous threes. <laughs> she's a pretty good kid. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome! So, so tell us about you, Amanda. Tell us about yourself. Well, I mean, this show is about you. So let's start from the, the beginning. You were born when? I was born um, April 15th, 1979 in wow. Hyannis, Massachusetts. Did you say 1939? So I wish. Oh, 1979. <laughs> 1979. 1939. Wow, you look great for being 106. Yeah, I do. I wish. <laughs> I wish. I wish I could say I was born in 1999. Oh, right? Oh, God. Oh, the privileges the kids have today. Anyway. I know kids. What's the matter with kids today? I said kids. Anyway, um, so so tell us a little bit about you and and 
Yeah, start off with when you were, like, diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. give us the diagnosis story. Okay, so there's not really a whole lot to the story. Um, I decided, um, I went to Brigham Young University for college, and I wanted to go to med school, and so I was studying health promotion and education there, and after 9-11, kind of got this wild hair that I wanted to join the military, kind of carry out my dad's tradition of serving in the armed forces, but... He didn't have a son, <laughs> so I decided to join the military about six months later, and um, and um, I was raised while I was serving in the military, and found out shortly after that that I was positive. So wow. that's really all there is to the story. That was in 2002, so it's been about 10 years this August. It's been 10 years this August. Wow. Now, when you found out that you were positive, like how did they how did they break it down to you? Because I know a couple of people that we've had on the show previously, it's done in a different way when it's done, you know, through the military. Well, originally, um, I started on medications, and so I wasn't tested originally, and I was sent home prior to even getting a result that way. So, um, I actually went to my local AIDS foundation and um, got tested. And uh, the test came back indeterminate at that time, and then I had to retest, and then I was I tested positive on that second test. Um, but but yeah, I I went through my local AIDS foundation, and they were they were the best. That was probably the best thing that could happen because being in the military, it was probably one of the worst experiences being on that side of the medical field. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because. Um, it's just male dominated. It was uh, it was a horrible experience to have to deal with that, and then to have to deal with it as um, a member of the military seemed to make it all a little bit more um, difficult. So I was glad now that you, the experience and finding out that I was positive was through another entity <laughs> entirely. Well, yeah, I'm sure I've heard some horror stories about finding out like on base or whatever the situation may be. Um, now you don't have to answer this if. if you don't want to, but now were you able to prosecute the people that raped you or the person that raped you? Um, we did. We did. Um, okay. He uh, he served 10 years for attempted manslaughter, and that was – he was released last May. Um, yeah, so okay. he admitted it, and it made the process a whole lot easier and just kind of moved forward from there, but – um, I don't really hold any feelings of resentment at this point in my life, but I mean, there have been times where, um, when I spend seven hundred dollars a week for medications, um, I get frustrated knowing that my tax dollars were paying for his health care. Right. Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um. So, what about now? I mean, that is such a traumatic event to go through and I can't even fathom I can't even put myself into your shoes because I, I just don't know I, I don't I don't I, I've never I haven't been there right how is <laughs> well um, and so so how is you don't have to answer this question but I, I think um, how is you know intimacy for you at this point I know it's what ten years later, but well, right. Well, I'm I'm not currently in a relationship with anybody, but 
Um, I, my, in my last relationship, we were together for about four years, and um, it, it was an issue, and I hadn't dealt with the rape at that point, and um, my partner at the time urged me to, to get into counseling, and unfortunately at the time, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to go to counseling. I wasn't ready to sit down and talk with anybody about what had happened and how it had affected my life. And unfortunately, it led to um, me controlling everything around me, and um, eventually my partner and I split, and um, it was at that point that I kind of found myself, spent two weeks in Oregon on the river, and um, I learned a lot about myself in those two weeks, and I came back to Salt Lake, and I got into some therapy, and I started to tackle the issues that I had never dealt with, and... I'm really glad that I did because I feel so much healthier now and so less controlling of my environment that I can actually function on a regular basis. That's great. I, I think that's that's fantastic that you were able to do that. And because, as, as we all know, um, it, it, and I ask the question because we all know that physical intimacy is so important to any relationship. And, um, and that's just part of it, right? And I, I think that's... And I think I, commend, I I really do commend you for for tackling it and, and going head head on into it. It's got to be just a traumatic experience all the way around. So good it for was. you. I think even more so than that, I live in a really conservative climate, and mm. um, the stigma here is that you are either a drug user or a whore, for lack of a better term, and so. I've had five, excuse me, I've had four knee surgeries in the last two years, and every time I go into the hospital, they look at me and say, you know, do you do drugs? And I'm like, no. And they're like, never? I'm like, no. Smoke? No. And I'm like, why don't you just ask me? Just ask me how I got it. That's what you want to know. Just ask. <laughs> right? <laughs> so frustrating. I love that dance. I love that dance. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So... So what about your military career? Tell us a little um, bit about I was, I was, Sorry, I was in basic training at the time, and so I wasn't mm-hmm. – um, I was just about ready to graduate from basic training, and I hadn't graduated yet. And so uh, the military has special clauses, and I can't quote them for you, but I was, I was a member – I was active duty for less than 180 days, and so I wasn't technically considered active duty, so – Anything that happens to you prior to that 180 days is kind of a, well, you know, you get a do-over. You get to go home. You can try again. But in my case, I didn't get a try again. And quite frankly, I didn't want a try again. <laughs> right. right. You know, one of the things that you um, – I'm sorry, Jeremy. Were you going to say something? Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go for it. I was going to say, um, Amanda, one of the things that you were talking about, you said you went back to Oregon after you left the Army, right? I did. Okay, well, no, no, excuse to... me. I, Go ahead. I after my after my relationship ended, I went to Oregon for two weeks. My mother and father live in Oregon. My sister and her kids, and so I went there to kind of pull my life back together for a couple of weeks to try and figure out where I was going and what I wanted. Right. Well, one of the things that um, I, I I was reading in your bio is that after it was after you were diagnosed is when you came out of the closet, right? Um. No, I. I don't. I was actually. Well, that was when you accepted out of the closet prior. Were. I because because I was dating an individual when I went into the military, and her and I had been together for a year prior to that. So, 
um, my parents knew, and I think my friends and family knew prior to that 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 I was a lesbian prior to me even entering the military. Okay, I thought it was after because I know that you you know you were were you what uh, religion were you raised? Because you um you know in your bio it says you go to the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints, or you did you were a part of that. I did. I did. Um, I was raised Catholic, and we were kind of that family that went, yeah. um, you know, Easter, Christmas, those kind of right. things. We, we, we weren't. Yeah, the C and E Catholics. Yeah, I, I'm very familiar. <laughs> the important days. <laughs> exactly. You know, is anybody looking? Yes, we go to church on Easter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, That's exactly right. <laughs> oh God. Yes, yeah, we go so, to the right now. Um, yeah, and at 18, I joined the the LDS Church, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I became Mormon, and that's actually what brought me to Utah, because I thought, what better place to learn about the church than Utah, the center of the of the church, and this is mm-hmm. this is where they're centered here for their world um, organization. And so, I came here, but, oh man, talk about control. <laughs> so, ah. I, I went through this, this um, I went through this idea that, like, maybe I was raped because I wasn't doing things the right way, that I was living a lesbian lifestyle. Even though I was continuing to go to church at the time and not making a decision about who I was, I thought, you know, maybe these things are happening because I'm not living my life the way that I'm supposed to be. So I went back to church, married a man in the temple, and realized within a week that I had made probably the biggest mistake of my life. (laughs) So... Um, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to you, you. So did you I, a divorce? We did. Um, we gave it a go. I mean, we tried for a year. I, I immediately left the church after the marriage. I, I told my husband, I said, there is no way that I can continue being a member of this church. They stand against everything I stand for, regardless of whether I'm living my life that way or not and I just can't go anymore. And he was like, okay, I understand. And he stopped going as well, actually. And um, we had gone in to see our bishop, and and the bishop actually said to me, um, asked me if I'd ever asked for forgiveness for the rape. And my husband at the time was like, are you kidding me? Did you really just say that? Did those words just come out of your mouth? And we left. He left. He left the church as well. And um, we attempted to make a marriage work for about a year, and it was at that point that I just said, you know, I, you're a great guy and I love you, but I am a lesbian <laughs> and I can never give you what you want and you're never going to be happy and neither am I. And he was like, yeah, you're right. And so we just had an amicable breakup and went our ways and um, I really have nothing bad to say about the experience or him, but it was definitely life-changing. That's interesting. And my parents were excited. <laughs> Right, you you oh, my parents were, when I told my mom and dad that I was a lesbian, they were ecstatic. They were like, that's awesome. That means you're not Mormon anymore, right? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I guess that is what it means. And my mom with her, you know, accompanying fist pump was pretty excited about the idea. <laughs> I love it. Cool. I love it. Well, is that, is it, well you know, or it, your parents are in Oregon? They are. Yeah, yeah, well. There you have it. Oregon's a very liberal state. 
my parents are actually quite conservative, um, so it, I found it interesting that they so openly welcomed it. I think they were just so against the Mormon church that they probably could have cared less what I was doing, be it drugs or men or women. At that point, they would have been altogether happy as long as I wasn't a Mormon. Exactly. What do you mean? We brought you up Catholic? I'll be an E-Catholic. But really? Seriously? You went to the Mormons? They, yeah, they, they yeah. think that there's a planet up there that they're going to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They do. <laughs> have, so uh, have you heard any of the music from the Book of Mormon yet? Have I heard any what? Any of the music from the show, uh, the Broadway musical, um, The Book of Mormon? I haven't. Um, I oh. tend to kind of stay away from anything Mormon-related. I mean, I live in Utah, so it's like I'm inundated with Mormon everything, but I try and stay north of a certain street, and usually you don't run into much Mormon if you stay within the boundaries of Salt Lake City. <laughs> That's funny. Well, no, seriously, um, go check out the show. It, it is absolutely hysterical. It was written by uh, the two guys who do South Park. So, Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's great then. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's very good. The guys anyway. that um, write South Park were Mormon themselves, actually. Yeah, that's right, they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. So, um, yeah, no, it's, let's a, take, it's a very wait, funny show. Let's do this. What are we doing? Um, let's take uh, a quick 30-second break. Um, okay. Um, and we'll be right back with Amanda Brown. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS. And you're listening to Pause I Am Radio, and we have blogger Amanda Brown with us. Amanda, um, your website is HIVpositivelypositive.org, right? It is. People can go there and find your information. Um, before we uh, go into the details of your website, because you do some really cool things there, um, one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, you, didn't, you decided you weren't going to have this HIV get in the way of any of your dreams. And in 2010 and 2011, you played for the Utah Jinx. And if people don't know who that is, that's a woman's full-contact semi-pro football team. That is friggin' cool, girl. <laughs> that is so uh, cool. How was that? It was crazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, girl, uh, girls don't get to play sports like that growing up anyway. I mean, there's no women's football in high school. And... Here and there you hear stories about the courageous girl who decides to play for the men's team. But, I mean, really, we don't have those kind of opportunities. And I thought, I've got some serious anger issues and could probably use a good outlet. So I decided to play football, and I absolutely loved it. And I didn't know anything about playing the game. I I watched my team play every Super Bowl, but I – I didn't know a whole lot about the game, and so it was really fun to play. Um, unfortunately, the week before the first game in season 2010, I blew my right knee out, complete ACL, MCL, lateral medial meniscus, like broke the femur, broke the tibia, horrible, horrible injury. I was like, really? you got to be kidding me. And so I sat on the sidelines the whole season, and then um, 
once I got better, I decided to play in 2011 and worked really hard at being able to step on the field, and I did, and we had a winning season, and the last game, I had the exact same injury on my left leg. Oh, my, oh my God. God. You just want to break your legs. Yeah, something. Yeah. So I who, had four knee surgeries. Who, who needs a mafia boss to come break your legs? You'll do it yourself. <laughs> You'll just say, hey, I'm you know what? If I don't pay you back, I'll break my oh, own leg. Geez. Thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. I don't need to worry about HIV. <laughs> Jeez, all my bones are going to break out. We actually have a question coming out of the Pause I Am chat room. And it's a, it's a silly question, but uh, Greg is asking um, Amanda, who's your favorite South Park South Parkian? His his butters. You know what? I um I don't watch South Park. I don't watch TV a whole lot. And the only even I could only even tell you one name, and that's Kenny. And it's because he's always dead. And so <laughs> I that's the only person I couldn't even name anybody else in that show. Uh, so. Cartman, Kyle, Stan. Oh yeah, oh, I, I love that show. God. I like the round, chubby kid, like the main oh, that's character Cartman. guy. Yeah, that's yeah, Cartman, I think I like yeah. him. So. Cartman's awesome. Yeah, but I don't that's have a lot funny. of time to watch TV. <laughs> you know, when you were talking about. Uh, playing football and you're talking about how it's an outlet for you to let go of all your frustrations and you know I can I can totally relate to that because you know I play soccer so that's kind of like my frustration you know way to get rid of it all kicking that ball around and running around so I can totally relate to that were you open um with your status when you played to your teammates I was um I mean it's not like I walked on the field and was like hey guys guess what I (laughs) sleep with women and I have HIV but I definitely um, I made my coach aware, and it's not something that I that I hide. I mean, I don't walk around right. broadcasting it, but I don't hide it either. And so if it comes up, I'm open, and, and I discuss my status with people. And the interesting thing about football is that there were people that were concerned, and they, they went to the league and said, you know, can she play on our on our team? And, and uh, I mean, football is a no-blood sport, so regardless of who you are or what your status is, if you're bleeding, you need to get off the field. And... With that in mind, I mean, I, I took a hit to the face, even through my helmet at one point, and that busted my lip open. And, you know, you, you just do what you need to do to keep yourself and others safe. I walked off the field, and the medic took care of it. They were aware of my status, and as soon as it stopped bleeding, I was right back out on the field. So That's nobody cool. really ever seemed to care what, on my what was your position about my status. Um, I played... I played middle linebacker and outside linebacker. Jeez. Yeah, I'm a heavy. No wonder why you broke your legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, you know, I miss it. I, I miss it. You know, if I played football, I'd have to be a wide receiver. Of course you would. Because you're all of, like, 110 pounds? No, because no, it's, it's a, being it's a joke. joke. <laughs> I, I could never be a tight end. <laughs> oh, God. Is that a gay joke? That's a bad attempt yes. at a gay joke. Yes. Oh, she got it. She got it. Woohoo! All right. You know, um, we actually have a caller on the air. So, um, we? on hold. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, if you want to call the show, we're at the bottom of the hour. You can reach us here at the show at three four seven two one five nine four four two. Press the number one button so we know you want to come on air. If you want to tweet us your questions, you can tweet them at POZIAM, P-O-Z-I-A-M, or just put them in the chat room that you see fit. Area code 732, you're on the air. Hey, how you doing? Um, 
I'm calling from I'm doing I'm Amanda, I'm doing your mother's fist pump here from Jersey. And um this is coming from a tight end point of view. <laughs> I, I I have an honest question for you and I'm you know, I'm Catholic too. And um I had a great Palm Sunday, by the way. I hope he's all good. <laughs> but um thank you for being candid by the way, but um I wanted to know do you think there's a way to connect with like the you know the Mormon Church because I know you actually sought it out you know I wanted to know if there's a way because I've always thought and I grew up Catholic going to Catholic school and everything I've always wondered like is there a way to connect with them in terms of prevention of the virus? Um, that's a good question. Uh, unfortunately, the church itself teaches abstinence only and. I mean, re- regardless of the, the virus, I mean, when you're just talking prevention in general, um, they have a very, very strong stance on abstinence-only teaching. And so I think that um, as far as educating individuals in the church, there are many, many, many members of the church who are very well educated about prevention and transmission. But I think the church as an institution um, probably could use some education in that I know, manner. They should but use some, I, I agree, because they need to understand that anal sex is also sex, so that's another problem that they don't understand. You right, know, and I think life. until the church probably accepts homosexuality as a sexual lifestyle, I don't think you're going to see any changes in in the church's um, <laughs> teachings. <laughs> it's yeah, be no, I understand. No, I mean, I'm just trying to brainstorm here because I've always wondered... But thank you. Thank you. And thank you for, thank sharing. for calling in. Yeah, no problem. Cool, cool. Yeah, so, um, that was interesting. You know, I wonder if AIDS Healthcare Foundation would ever take their uh, 18-wheeler up to uh, Utah and drive around and hand out free condoms and testing kits. I thought about exactly. doing, like, a needle exchange a few years ago, and the laws are just so strict and... Yeah, it's tough. I I just recently um, attended a rally at the Capitol where we were protesting to have um, to veto a bill that would allow abstinence-only teaching in schools as the only method of protection. And thank goodness the mayor did not sign that bill. And so I feel like strength in numbers there helped. Well, that's good because, you know, abstinence, here, here's my view on abstinence, and I, and I think I've said this a time or two, is abstinence works until it doesn't. I mean, yeah. really. When, when, when kids are having sex, they are. I mean, who, who are we kidding? We're kidding ourselves if we if we think that they're not, if we think that they're going to be waiting, and they're not. I mean, kids as young as 11 are, are having sex. I think even even uh, even younger, right? But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, abstinence is, is a ridiculous. I mean, it, you should always encourage abstinence, but it can't be abstinence only. There. I agree, I'm on my, I'm and on. I... I don't know, call me a socialist, but I think that schools are set up to teach children um, and educate them and that we don't get to decide what education is. These are the facts. Present the facts in schools. Teach about, you know, everything that's happening 
in the world and teach the morals in the home. Absolutely. And morality is a choice, and people will make up their own minds. It's hard to um, create a belief system in our future when we're not presenting the children of today with facts. Right. Their belief systems are so skewed because they're not getting the big picture. Right. No, no, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. I mean, kids have to see, kids have to, you know, we have to, we have to teach them and we have to, and, and, and parents need to take an active role in this. And, and, and I hate, and, you know, I'm not a parent. So, so that, that will probably, um, someone will probably call me on this, but parents need to take an active role in their kids, um, in their kids' education. They can't just simply turn everything over to, to the, um, to the, to the schools. I mean, yeah, it's it's true. You know, you my parents taught care. me about sex education. Uh, my I remember when I was 12 years old, my parents handed me a book that was like an inch thick and said, "Read it." And God, I remember there were pictures in there, like color the penis pink and the testicles blue dots. And like I thought, God, this is some horrible Dr. Seuss disease. When I was finished, you know, matching up all the parts, but I I did learn, and my parents did take that active role, but. Um, That's pretty cool. I, I mean, I think it's cool that your parents do that. Um, speaking of your parents, um, coming out of the chat room, uh, Taya Clark asks, she wants to know how you told your family and how they reacted that you were HIV positive. Um, well, telling my family was a little bit, um, it was difficult I, it, because I I had to tell my parents two things. One, that I was raped, and two, that I was HIV positive. And I'm the oldest child in my family, and telling your family that and telling my father that was was extremely difficult. Um, fortunately for me, the captain of my unit actually called my parents while I was in the hospital, and I didn't really have to break the news to them. Uh, so knowing that HIV was a possibility um, from the beginning, we we just kind of went, we worked through it together. And my parents were extremely uneducated. And my mom wanted to know, you know, what's your prognosis? When are you going to die? And there were things that I didn't want her to ask the doctor. And we, we argued about it for a while, which eventually led to my mother and father and I not talking for almost a year. And it was after a year that I finally said, you know, enough is enough. And you're my family, and I love you unconditionally, even though I don't agree with you. And um, we were able to have a better, more open dialogue. They um, had educated themselves in that year. My mom had taken a couple classes through local community college on health, and um, I commend her for that. And and um, she learned a lot. And now I only get, you know, here and there I get some comments that are, you know, like, when I was talking about having a child, my mother said, you know, you would risk bringing a child into the world and that it could have HIV. And I was like, well, yeah, I would, because less than 1% of people who are medicated have children with HIV. They create their own blood supply, Mom. <laughs> so, I mean, we were able to talk about it now, but there there was a year that we didn't speak. We didn't speak at all. And it was because my mom and dad wanted to know when I was going to die. And I said, you don't get to ask that because I'm not asking that. Hmm. 
makes pretty good. I mean, I, I just think it's great that you at least now have that support and that connection with your parents. And like you said, family is family. So even if you don't agree with what's going on or what they think, you still kind of have to have that unconditional love because that's what family is all about. Yeah. Yeah, and they've been extremely supportive now. Um, my mom will ask me every once in a while, you know, what are your numbers? How are you doing? And um, I think 60% of the time she knows what she's talking about, and 40% of the time she's probably picked it up off of some HIV chat room. But I appreciate that she's involved and that she cares enough to ask and that she feels comfortable and open enough to do so. I think it's great. So many people who are positive don't have that connection with their parents, or maybe people who aren't even positive don't have a connection with their parents because of some issue. And, and just to, to hear somebody realize that and, and still have that connection and that unconditional love, you know, it's important. Family is so important. And once you're diagnosed, you kind of put all those things into perspective, you know, of what's really important in life. And it's really not going out and having parties and, you know, and, arguing all the time. It's really about just loving your family because in the end, they're the ones who are going to be by you. Yeah, um, I recently actually went to an HIV support group where that was the topic of discussion, kind of the before and after mentality of life and your purpose. And I disagree um, with most, I disagreed with most of the people there that like, I didn't have this aha moment. Um, I was happy before and I'm happy now. And having HIV didn't change me or what I wanted out of life. I still, like, went out for those goals, still sought my master's degree. It didn't – the only thing that changed is that I decided not to go to med school because of how poorly I was treated on that side of the fence, and I, I decided that I didn't want to work in that atmosphere. But, but getting a diagnosis wasn't an aha moment for me about my purpose in life. It's just kind of changed, I think, the things that I educate people on. Um, right. But well, yeah, what made you start the website? Um, on the website, I I created a website because I a lot of people would ask me questions, and I found that a lot of kids like ask questions, but they're afraid to ask their parents or someone else because they're afraid of what somebody might think of them if they're asking. You know, you get the hypothetical, "Hey, my friend does drugs and shares his needle," um, and nobody really answers those questions. Uh, you know. You have to sign up for a lot of different things when you ask questions, like to be on HIV chat rooms or um, like AIDS meds forums. You have to sign up and like give your uh, your demographics. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They just want a quick answer. And so I created an app that I um, had for free on the Android market that directed people to my website where they can send me an email which directs to my text messaging and they can ask a question. And I typically get back to people within 24 hours. Um, sometimes it's just minutes. Like, it, it depends. If somebody texts me in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping, I typically don't answer their questions. But I've had numerous questions um, from young kids, uh, probably high school age kids. And it's been um, really humbling to be able to be in a position where I can answer these questions for people and to put them at ease. And I, I just wanted to offer that service to people because, I mean, I think it's because my sister, I, I hear my sister asking questions when she was younger and not really having anybody to talk to and realizing that this is Utah and there's not a lot of people to talk to about sex. Yeah. So, so how Don't do people text it? Like, what do they text it to? to um, like actually, to text you something. Um, well, it, there's on HIVpositively, positive.org, on the 
um, there's a page that where you can actually type in a question and it directs it through my email to my phone. So if you were to go to my website, if you went to, there's a section that says, am I positive? And it's got a question mark. And then you can, it says, need to talk, click here for free 24-hour email support. Well, that goes directly to my phone. That's cool. And it's .org, right? Because I just put in the wrong, um, I put .com, and I didn't mean to. It is .org. It's HIVpositivelypositive.org. And on the last page, um, the last tab to the right, it just says, am I positive? And you can Click on the red bubbles that there, and find. You can put in your zip code, and it will tell you where a local testing site is in your area. And there, I also have on there the forums because I, I think AIDSMEDS offers a great AIDSMEDS.com offers a great um, uh, community for being able right. to ask questions and get answers from uh, people infected and affected by the disease. And I've always found a lot of solace there. And sorry have that there too, but people can click there and it will send me an email. Are you also on Twitter? I am on Twitter, um, not through my website though. Like I don't have Positively Positive on Twitter at this point. Um, I just recently launched that. I I do, I do plan on actually adding a Twitter account. Um, Life's just been kind of busy and I haven't gotten to it, but I plan on adding a Twitter account. Cool. So that'll be what's coming up. The other thing I want to talk about, because I can't believe we have like 11 minutes left already. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was, tell me about this children's book you're writing. Um, I started writing a book. It's it's a children's book. And uh, um, in my relationship, my past relationship that I was talking about earlier, um, she had four children, and they ranged from age six to 16, and we were very open about my status with the kids, and they faced questions in school and in other relationships, and uh, we began to teach the children the black army versus the white army kind of story with, like, those microbial um, plush dolls that you can purchase online that are oversized, and I've always wanted... when we first started talking to the children about HIV and what it was and how it affected me, we looked for children's books. And we couldn't find very many children's books that actually tackled the issue of HIV um, as a disease. And the ones we did find were lengthy and um, in some instances just too textbook for children. And so I started writing this children's book, and it's about um, a little girl who, or a little boy who gets sick and he misses school and his friends and peers start to ask questions and he decides to disclose his status to the classroom at the school science fair. And so that's kind of the the basic uh, outline of the story. But it's just a children's book. It's for kids probably age three to, I don't know, 12. Cool. And when do you, I mean, is it something that you just started or? It's something that I just started. I have the story written. Um, okay. I don't draw. So if anybody wants to illustrate, yeah, I, um, I've i got the story down, but not the drawings. So. I see. 
Well, there you go. Maybe, you know, maybe somebody who's out there who's a, you know, an illustrator who's HIV positive would love to do that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I can draw, but um, I don't think stick figures will sell. So something about that that doesn't tell me. I don't think stick figures for little kids. I don't think that's interesting enough. Uh, uh, Jeremy, are you still there? Jeremy, are you there? I'm going to go. Yeah, I was actually on mute. I was getting a drink of water. And I didn't want you oh, guys okay. to hear this, the, the fountain going. Oh, I got gotcha. you. So, so I, No, you're fine. Um, do you want to take the question or? Um, yeah. So, so what now? What are you going to be doing now? I mean, we, we've talked about all this stuff. You've got this children's book thing that you're doing. What is next for Amanda? Um, currently I am just, uh, living life as a mom and enjoying it and looking forward to, um, being a guide of good influence in every area of my life, be it a mom or a friend or a teacher or a peer, coworker. I just, um, I think that I've learned a lot about myself and I just want to be a guide of good influence in the world. And so that's kind of where I'm going and what I'm doing and, I try and do that through volunteering in my local AIDS foundation and other areas of our community. And, yeah, I'm becoming a little bit more involved politically, and I think as I gain some confidence and some education, I may have something to say at that level. Wow. Okay. Excellent. And and so can you tell us a little bit what the um, AIDS service organizations are like in Utah? Um, it's absolutely amazing. The Utah AIDS Foundation has been the backbone to my survival. They, uh, their case management program is, is, um, it's just absolutely fantastic. I, I have had to use their services recently with Hopla and, which is housing for opportunities for people with AIDS, and, and they just made the whole process simple. And in an, in an, in a moment where things can feel embarrassing and frustrating. Um, they made it feel calm, and they assured me, you know, that everything was going to be okay, and it was. And they offer um, they offer weekly support groups for men and women, and that's something new with the women because I think prior to joining this support group about six months ago, I'm, I was pretty sure I was the only infected person in the state of Utah, but now I know there's three of us. <laughs> three of us that are willing to say that we have it anyway in this conservative climate but they're a fantastic organization they do monthly testing they do free testing they do numerous outreach programs um, they do a lot of HIV 101 they actually just were recently trained to do couples counseling um, where individuals can come in and get tested as a couple and be in the same room and receive results together. And I think Utah is one of three individuals in the nation that, are, that, that is allowed to do that. So it's kind of cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. And what was that AIDS service organization name? It's called the Utah AIDS Foundation. Just so people, if they're listening from Utah, they know where to go if they need any kind of services. Um, the one question that I did want to ask you um, before we let you go, is how difficult, because it has to be difficult for you. I mean, I, I only assume because I don't know. I don't know that many. But how difficult is it for you to be HIV positive and a lesbian to find other people who are just like you like that and that aspect? Is there a lot that you found maybe online 
HIV positive lesbians or no? Um, I don't know. I don't know very many HIV positive individuals, and um, I think HIV positive lesbians is kind of its own class as well. I uh-huh. all the women that I know that are infected are actually heterosexual, and so I don't know very many women that that are infected. And I I don't even think that I really know any online. Um, I, I, don't I know spend a, few a lot of time online, but you know a few that are I what? I I know a few that are that fall into that category that I'll connect you with on Facebook. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I think great. it would be great I, for you to have that kind many. of support. I think, I think we're kind of a, a, a small breed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's great. You know, I think the texting that you're doing, the book that you're writing, and, and just sharing your story, I think it's so cool that you play football. I got to tell you, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> Thanks. I love it. I think it's so Thanks. cool. Um, so, so Thanks people for the can opportunity. Go and, oh, anytime. People can go to you and – visit your website, HIVpositivelypositive.org. And once you have that book come out, we would love to have you come back on and talk about it and help promote it. Perfect. All right. Sounds good. Well, you have yourself a great night, Amanda. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And, again, you can find more about Amanda by going to HIVpositivelypositive.org. Jeremy. Yes. All right. She's awesome. She is awesome. She's amazing. And, and yeah. you know, and it, it's it's always nice to get, you know, really intelligent. Wait. Before I say that. Oh, golly. Man, oh, man. Okay. It's really nice to have amazing people come on the show who are are intelligent and and. and Wound up on making a difference, and it, it is. It, it makes me. It makes me very, very happy. It really does. I totally and, agree. And, and I just wish Amanda nothing but the best, and I can't wait for her book because I'll buy it. You know. Totally agree. Hey, and you hey, know what I think? It's something is, you it's, can read. Yes, I'll read it too. Whatever. Um, and, and there's and there's like pictures and everything for you, Robert. Yes. The other thing that I want to, um, <laughs> you think you're funny. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the other thing I want to um, mention, oh, um, I think that was really cool about um, Amanda's story is that she's also in Utah, so she's in a place where not many people would have the guts to stand up and say that they're HIV positive. And she's doing it and, you know, doing it online and using her website. And I think that that is something that should be, you know, my hat goes off to her for, for Standing up in an environment that could be very, you know, hard to do, hostile. and I think it's great. Yeah, hostile. It, it would be hostile. Hostile. And, yeah. Um, it, 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 it's it is um, it's hard to to just handle all of that. You know, I mean, when you don't have a supportive environment. Hey, we're down to um, our last how many seconds here? I'm sorry. No, you're totally fine. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, we want to thank our guest. Yeah, Twenty seconds. Yeah, we want to thank our guest, Amanda Brown, HIVpositivelypositive.org. Go check her out. Uh, more information on myself and the show, posim.com. Jeremy, you can go to positivelyspeaking.com. Um, next week, we will be speaking with the fabulous author um, Monique Moray. So don't forget to join us for that amazing show. Hope you all I have know. a great night, and don't forget to I, don't forget to watch the great. voice tomorrow. 
and and vote yeah. for Jamar Rogers and, and so get him through the live show. Jamar. Absolutely, vote Jamar. Go Jamar. Go Jamar. That's he was right. a great. So he a was a great night. guest. I I loved having him on the show. Um, yeah. So anyway, back. everybody have a great evening and great week, and we'll see you next week. That's right. Bye, everyone. Coming